The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Pressure throws it to Eckler on the screen. He's got a block to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. High pass. Did Williams make that catch? My goodness. Three for a first down. Herbert with time. Now running out of time. Throws on the run. Down the sideline. Caught in the end zone. Keenan Allen for the touchdowns. Throws, and again, it's intercepted. And that's Asante Samuel. Here's another one. Watch out. How did it feel when Derwin James absolutely powerbombed the f*** out of you on national television? You're listening to the Shock Therapy Podcast with Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. What's up, Zach? How was your weekend? How are you doing today? What's been going on, man? Can you hear me? I I can hear you now. I don't know. <laughs> there was As a I was saying, how was your I'm day, back. man? What's, how, what's going on? How was your weekend? How was your weekend? Weekend was good. I feel like last weekend was better with the 4th of July going on. Uh, this weekend's just slow, nothing crazy. It's not 115 degrees out here in Sacramento, which is nice. Um, just taking it easy. What's up with you? I heard you got back for a wedding. Yeah, so I just got back from a wedding last night. Moved kind of slow this morning. Uh, I love Hispanic weddings, man. They're the they are <laughs> popping. <laughs> they are popping. There's something about the salsa music, and man, it's just so such a great time. Uh, I, I love I love Mexican weddings because they are always so much fun. You get you get the little little streamers out sitting there doing some salsa dancing, listening to some pitbull, listening to whatever we're listening to. It was it was a great time. I'm still hungover. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's, it's, it's 9.15 on a Sunday. Um, coming off of a holiday weekend, it was a weird week with 4th of July being on Tuesday. So it, it, I feel like <laughs> if you're not hungover, you didn't have a good last couple of weeks. So yeah, It was a great home. week. But on the other side of that, we, we got some football stuff to talk about. I'm super excited to talk about my magazine, which I'm – failing to find on my laptop to pull up and show you guys. But the printed copies I should be receiving late next week sometime. I've already sold like 50 copies, which is awesome. I'm stoked about that. If you guys want a PDF, it's totally free. I give it out to anybody that wants it. Um, The only thing I ask is if if you had a chance to read the magazine, just post about it, say something nice about it on Twitter, on threads, which is now growing, like exploding like crazy. Uh, that is the uh, the Instagram version of Twitter, which is their timing of coming out with that. Hilarious, because it, it, they came out with it the, the week, the day that Elon Musk was like, hey, you can only look at, you know, 100, 500 threads or some stupid. And which is that crazy. was like the perfect timing for them to like drop their uh, their threads. All I'm going to say is stop cap, stop capping the people. You don't get to dictate entertainment. If I want to look at 2,000 tweets a day, I should be able to do so. We we never 
had to deal with this before Elon took over. Um, they're they're ruining the best platform there's there is. Now, if Threads is the new one, then I'm down. They're not capping people off. They're not restricting speech. Like I'm all, I'm all for something new because I Twitter is like I feel like it's dying. I feel like Twitter is starting to die out with all the 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 dumb things that they're doing right now. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand what he's he's getting from that. It's it's strange to to limit free speech like that. No, so it's crazy. I, I, just, I don't. I don't get it. Let, switching switching topics. Let's talk about this magazine. Yeah. So here's a, a picture of the magazine. Uh, I did the artwork myself. Doesn't look as great as it did last year, but you know, I, I think I still did a pretty snappy job with it. Um, so this thing is 60 pages. We start off uh, talking about Ladanian Tomlinson, a lifetime achievement. You know, all of the great things he was able to achieve during his. His career, I start off talking about his home life, growing up into high school, going to TCU, having a fantastic career in the NFL. And then I even talk about some of the, the, the charity work he does off the field uh, and, and, you know, his enshrinement into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All of the, the great things about LaDainian Tomlinson, he's uh, really a, a great human being. Like you couldn't ask to, to talk to a, a better uh, type of guy or, or have that type of guy on your team for you know, 10 years or however long he played for the Chargers. Uh, and then I just get right into uh, talking about the AFC arms race that you saw last year. Uh, didn't really come to be as strong as we all expected it to be, but, you know, the, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chargers, they all uh, stacked a lot of money last year to go and try to, to be competitive. Um, in the end, it was the Chargers and the Chiefs ended up making the playoffs. The Broncos fell flat on their face, and then uh, the Raiders also uh, just were not that good last year. <laughs> and then uh, I go into weeks one through 18 uh, and the wild card game. I talk about each and every game, kind of broke down, you know, why the Chargers lost those games. Uh, I In week seven, we had Jamal Williams inducted into the Chargers football pro, pro football hall of fame. Um, so I talk a little bit about that week seven. He was enshrined at the Seahawks game. Uh, I wasn't actually at that game. Um, that was one of the games I missed last season, but you know, something I thought was worthy to, to talk about. Uh, and then we start about the Chargers off season moves, uh, basically a reload for 2023. Um, we had a article donated by one of our very own Charger fans. Uh, he donated an article about the, uh, Air Coriel era of Chargers football. Um, as we all know, Don Coriel is, is headed to Canton, uh, something that was long overdue. And then uh, we talked about, I, I talk about the 2023 NFL draft. I talk about Quentin Johnson, Tooley, Diane Henley, Darius Davis, Jordan McFadden, Scott Matlock, and Max Duggan. And then I gave a short letter to the fans. Uh, and I kind of will just kind of cycle through this real quick. You didn't get a chance to actually read this yet. Sorry, I apologize. I was kind of running short on time, but I did uh, email you a copy, I believe. Have you had a chance to take a look at this thing yet? Uh, I'll I, I, you sent me the LT article, which all I want to say, L, LT is my, my first and favorite, like, athlete. Like, that that growing up, 
LT was like the first guy I was like, yes, that that man is what I want to model my life about. Because not only was he an absolute record breaker on the field, he was like really one of the first people who with with stardom who you saw getting out in the community. Every Thanksgiving, he was in San Diego passing out turkeys. Every holiday, he was it, it was Christmas. He was out there just handing out gifts. As a guy from Texas, he gets drafted by San Diego. When he was not playing football, when he didn't have the lightning bolt on his chest, he was giving back to the community. So there's nothing bad that you can say about that man. An absolute, one of the best running backs to ever play, one of the best football players to ever play. And on top of that, a Walter... Peyton, a uh, uh, humanitarian award winner. Um, this man has done so much for his community, and he continues to do that. Uh, what what a stand up guy, and and what a great person to model a franchise around. Like my one of my biggest regrets in in, in life is the fact that we couldn't get that twelve and four team uh, led by Ladanian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, uh, Philip Rivers. That that team did not win a Super Bowl. That, that um, that's, that's all I Yeah, it's wild. It is wild that that team did not win a Super Bowl. I, I said that uh, we had an article donated by a fan. I, I was trying to figure out how to say his last name. Uh, I don't really know how to say it, but Muki, Mushi, Mushi Asito, Muki Asito, Dominic Muki Asito. Sorry for butchering that i don't think we had a chance it's a great last name i would like to know how to pronounce that <laughs> but but dominique is a terrific writer uh somebody over at the um the um what is the website called riverslight.org so he's a writer over there for riverslight.org he's an incredible writer probably like way he is way better than anything that i could write just <laughs> the way that he um the way that he puts words together is just fantastic. It's incredible. So he wrote an entire article on the Don Coriel era of football. A lot of interesting, cool facts. Like, I don't know if you knew this or not, but did you know that Sid Gilman, who the Chargers won an AFC championship with in 1963, and Don Coriel actually coached against each other in an exhibition game. So uh, Don Coriel was a football coach for the uh, Fort Ord um, Fort Ord football team, which was like a military football team. They scrimmaged against the Los Angeles Rams when Sid Gilman was the head coach there. So it was just something like super, super interesting that, that ended up happening Two legendary charger coaches. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that. So he did all that kind of research uh, and he really goes dives deep into like the Don Coriel era of football and then I'm, I'm just going to cycle through the rest of this real quick. But I've gone and shown everybody this magazine in under a minute. Um, I'll get that over to you, Zach, because I think that you definitely want to read this. Um, yeah. My letter to the fans and then our schedule on the back page. So uh, thank you, everybody who's already purchased. I've already sold 40, almost 50 copies. I've got about 50 left to, to, to sell and give out. So let me know when you guys... Um, want that and I'll, I'll get that over to you the pdfs 100 free um the physical copies i sign every copy on the front page uh, those are going to be 15 dollars. that includes shipping basically it's just a it's me um 
uh, it's paying me back for, for the print job because it's expensive to mail it and, and to get it printed. Plus the, the amount of time and effort that goes into this thing takes me, I mean, I, I started this thing in November last year. So it's, it's a huge, and it's my last edition because I don't know if I want to um, keep doing it because it's, it's a, a long time commitment. Um, let's go ahead and talk about their the Broncos. That's um, the team that we're breaking down this week. <clears throat> um, kind of give you a, a brief overview of what happened. So the Broncos, they lost Melvin Gordon. They added Simaje Pirine. They lost Dalton Reisner. They added guard Ben Jones. They lost offensive tackle Billy Turner. They added Mike McGlinchey. They lost Raymond Jones. They added Deshaun Williams, Zach Allen, and Frank Clark. They lost Ronald Darby. And then they drafted their, their big draft picks are going to be Marvin Mims, Drew Sanders, and cornerback Riley Moss. Uh, and really, like, makes me wonder, like, is this team better than it was last year? I feel like they got better at almost all those positions across the board. Plus, they're going to get the development of their young tight end, their young edge rushers, and their secondary. I think that overall is a more talented team on paper. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Broncos as we head into the 2023 season? I, I kind of want to, I think I agree with you. The fact that they got stronger at most positions. I love their depth um, at edge. It doesn't like show, it doesn't show up on that transaction list because it was a mid season thing. Losing Bradley Chubb is an like identity type of difference. And, and their, their defense didn't stutter at all last year without the Frank Clarks, without all of that young depth behind it. Um, still, Bradley Chubb is one of the premier pass rushers. You Looking back on all of the competitive Broncos teams, not only did you have one great pass rusher, they had a couple. Um, and Frank Clark at this point in his career, uh, Zach Allen at this point in his career, I don't think they got the like their their go-to guy i think they got a very very deep group i think it's very similar to their receiving core where it's really good i like all of the guys there's no superstar um so i i think the biggest move is that you got sean payton as as head coach i think that's yeah that's bring, huge that is that is huge especially because last the broncos every year have a strong defense. They have a strong running game. Um, it's when you can filter in a, a great quarterback and run an explosive offense when when they get scary. Um, <laughs> and if anybody can bring that back out of Russell Wilson, it, it, it's Sean Payton. Yeah, I, I I totally get the Sean Payton signing. I mean, you're talking about a team that finished five and twelve last season, fourth in the AFC West. They scored the least amount of points in the NFL last year under Nathaniel Hackett, who's supposed to be an offensive guru. Like that should yeah. not have happened. And it, and that was his first and only season as head coach for a reason. Um, they finished 14th out of 32nd in points against, which you take into effect that their defense was constantly on the field. That's not that bad. They finished better than average with playing more on defense than any other team in, in the NFL. If the Broncos could have sustained longer drives, kept defenses off the field, they easily could have been a top 10, you know, potentially top five unit. Um, after a single season as head coach, Hack was fired. 
and the Broncos roster, it just was much better than the team that they fielded out there because that, that roster is really loaded with a lot of good players. Uh, probably only like two to three blue chip players. You're talking about Patrick Sertain, Justin Simmons, and Russell Wilson, depending on you know what version of Russell Wilson you're getting. But, I mean, there's a lot of really, really good young players. Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, Greg Dulcich, Lloyd Cushenberry, Quinn Meaners, Baron Browning, um, and then that duo in, at linebacker of Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. I mean, it's a really, really solid, um, above-average group of players. Um, lacking the, the high-end superstar, the blue-chip players, but overall, like their their coaching is going to to turn some of those guys into some absolute dogs. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of not. We talked about the Raiders last week. I think you have to you have to respect the Chiefs until they're unrespectable. The Broncos are a scary team, right? Like we were talking about the AFC West arms race. We thought last year with the addition of Russell uh, Russell Wilson that this was going to be one of the best divisions in football. And it didn't really stack up to that because you got two really – you had one really great team, you had one team not really living up to expectations, and then you had two teams really falling flat uh, in the in the Raiders and the Broncos. I don't see that happening this year. I think this is the year we see that AFC arms race really turn into a dogfight. Uh, and I – and over the Raiders, the Chiefs are going to be them. Uh, the Broncos are scary because they don't give up a lot of points. They ended up the year giving up 20 points a, a game. That was with like two 33-point blowups at the end of the year. At, at, at 10 games through the year, they were giving up like 18 points a game. If Russell Wilson could just throw one touchdown a game, if he just averaged one touchdown a game, that would have been a playoff team. Um, they're not far away. They went and go and get the most sought-after coach to add to it. Um, don't do a whole lot. Uh, they don't lose a whole lot of people. Um, the, the Broncos are scary. They have they only they have, have a ton of talent. They have yeah. a ton of talent. It, it, they only have themselves to like lose to. Like uh, they're set up for a very, very positive year. No one's really talking about them. Like last year, everyone was talking about, oh, Broncos are a, a Super Bowl favorite. I you don't hear that chatter. Taking all of that pressure off uh, a team like this's shoulders it, is dangerous. So I'm I'm excited as like a competitor to see what what happens. Um, they're a potential scary team. Like, don't sleep on the Denver Broncos. No, they could definitely be scary. Talk a little bit about their quarterback situation. So, Russell Wilson, Jarrett Stidham. What did the, the, the Broncos give up to go and get Russell Wilson? So, they ended up getting their Russell future. Wilson and a nose tackle named Iowama Uwuzuriki, who's like a fourth-round um, draft pick for them. What did the Seahawks get? They got offensive tackle Charles Cross, cornerback Devin Witherspoon, edge rusher Boye Mafe, edge rusher Derek Hall, linebacker Tyreek Smith, tight end Noah Fant, quarterback Drew Locke, and Shelby Harris. All of those guys for Russell Wilson and a nose tackle who played like 200 snaps for them last year. That's, that's insane. 
like I don't know any team desperate for a quarterback that would like give all that up. It's a lot. And um credit to the Seahawks though, because all of those draft picks, they I think they absolutely- nailed them all. All of them. Uh all of them. <laughs> and what you you I think you asked at the top of that question, did the Broncos give up their future? If yeah. Russell Wilson can't give them a super they, they went all in on Russell Wilson's gonna give me a Super Bowl ring. Uh I don't think that was your the the time to do it. When Patrick Mahomes at the we we could only expect the pinnacle of his career, if not only excelling. You have Justin Herbert, this emerging superstar quarterback, surrounded by all of this uh, talent. Is and there a you quarterback go, you'd make that trade for? No. Any, any, anyone, any I player. Think, no, no, because. I, like, if it was I mean, like, would you trade Patrick Mahomes for Charles Cross, Devin Witherspoon, Boy Mafe, Derek Hall, Tyreek Smith, Noah Fant? And Shelby Harris, because nobody cares about Drew Locke. Like, are you making that trade? Because that's the, like the thing is one, two, three, four, five, five starters with you know a couple role players. Uh no, it, it, it's it's tough to pull the trigger on something like that. I think what we saw was a front office in, in, in the Broncos who thought they were a Russell Wilson away from being Super Bowl competitive. So if, if that's really what you think you're missing, which I thought they were, I thought they were missing a MVP type of a, a quarterback to piece it all together. They had, I think a, they were missing a coach is what they were really missing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, but that's like, as a, as a front office, you set all of that up. So I don't know. You, you're, 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 you're spinning a message to the fan base and the organization that it's not my fault. It's, it's who we have in, in place. It's, it's not, it's not my system. It's the quarterback. Right. And we found out that mm, there's a little bit of both. It is the yeah. personnel and, and it is the system. And so now there's no excuses. You got your guy, you got the, one of the best coaches in, in in football for the last 10, 15 years. Uh, if you guys win five games this year, like it, it's only on you and you're going to be really bad for a long time, given the draft capital and all of those chips that you, you gave up to, to make this work. The only thing that kind of prevents me from saying, you know, they're, they're done is just how the saints had built their roster through free agents trading away draft picks, pushing cap into future years. But mm-hmm. at some point that bill always comes due and you saw it happen. They, I mean, the and Sean Payton dipped yeah. as soon as he was ready. As soon as he was like, mm, I have to take the brunt of uh, uh, all the decisions I made. He retired <laughs> and not retired. He retired and was like, but he took a sabbatical leave. Yeah. But if you guys want to trade me and give up your whole future for me i will come back like also pretty sean payton i think he's a great coach that was a really really bum way to to go out i think you 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 cap casualty the saints run yeah, through it or destroyed like, them. you gotta play through it like i i don't know uh and he got his super bowl ring good for him like 
but it's one ring. Like, yeah, if you really think about the success that the Saints had, right? Like, you had the one year where they won the Super Bowl. You had a couple years where they missed playoffs entirely, and then you know they never they never made it back. Like Sean Payton's a great, you know, um, one hit wonder. Because like he, you know, I, I don't take anything away. I think he's a terrific coach. Everybody has nothing but good things to say about him, even after the whole uh, targeting um, uh, oh, where yeah. he got suspended for the year for paying players for injuring players, which, which was is crazy, wild, and never talked about anymore. Like nobody talks no. about that anymore. He's on TV. <laughs> they seen him with a microphone next to Adam Scheffner, and they're like, "Oh, we can't talk about how shitty he was." <laughs> <laughs> And then, so let's get back on to the topic of of Russell Wilson. So, you know, after the, the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson, they gave him a five-year, $242 million uh, contract that averages $50 million a year and hasn't even started yet. He's still on the four-year, 140 contract with the Seahawks. He is under contract till 2029. So they are tied to him for a lot, until 2025 where they can cut him with a manageable $31 million dead cap. Manageable 31. <laughs> Actually at that, at, at that time, what did you say? When, when is that due? Uh, so his, his contract starts next season and goes until 2029. So 2024 to 2029. So he's still on the, the Seahawks. They gave him a four year 140. So that's what, like 30, 60, 90, 120. 40 million a year, just about. You said manageable. 35, 35 million a year. 31. In 2029, 31 million might be might be just one of those veteran minimums. What do we get? Yeah. I, I saw a big reaction. So uh my my wife came in and brought me. So I, I made coffee this morning, but I forgot my um cup. <laughs> French press. <laughs> French press. I was running short on time. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I couldn't make a coffee, so I had to go with a morning <laughs> Hey, you can't <laughs> you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. That's what I'm trying to tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. All right. So, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, the, there's a whole awkward team dynamic. Uh, he had his own office in the Broncos facility on the coaches' Weird. Floor. Super weird. Had his own personal team of coaches and trainers that were apart from the Broncos staff that came in and did work with him. Um, he was basically given the keys to design and implement exactly what he wanted in the offense. Took over coaching duties and set himself up like on a pedestal. Like Coaches should just not – they should take input from their, their quarterback and not – just hand the keys over like Russell it. Wilson, not going to get hired on as a, uh, an offensive coordinator anywhere no. after his one season as offensive coordinator last year for himself, you know, it just created a weird team dynamic. And I think that was a major talking point in Sean Payton coming in and just redoing whatever, undoing everything Russell Wilson had put into place and just fixing all those issues. Um, kind of want to just close the Russell Wilson story out here and just talk about the fact that you know he had offensive minded head coach last year um he had a a really bad offensive line that was really injured we'll talk about that a little bit you know 
that their, their star running back gets hurt, you know, first two or three games into the season. That was no good. Um, the, the offense was a complete mess. It wasn't all on Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson bit off more than he could chew and then realized that he had to keep chewing through the rest of the season and just couldn't swallow it at, at any point throughout the whole year. And it really led to, to a really bad situation for the Broncos. I think it's going to be a much better, much more improved team offensively. And he's got a lot more around him to, to really, you know, take that step into being the quarterback that everybody wanted him to be. Um, the weird social media stuff, you know, Broncos fans, let's ride, like practicing walking out of the tunnel, like just weird stuff that he was just doing that, that's I haven't heard anything like that this season. So pass that's, that's on the plane. Quiet. We we don't even talk about pass that's on the plane is insane. <laughs> Are you gonna what? go through on your, the plane? He, he was going through like dropbacks on the plane in between uh, the Oh, aisle. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, there's so, just so much I'm not surprised, but there's, there's so, so much. much of it. But uh <laughs> there's one story. All the linemen are passed out with their because they're big dudes. And on like a little charred plane, so they all have their legs out in the aisle, and Russell was Russell Wilson was tripping on them doing his uh, drop backs. That's Three wild. Step, five step, <laughs> insane. Just, he's not. He's not a real person. He's a robot. As soon as he <laughs> married Ciara, he, he became a robot. I, and I, I just don't get it. Let's talk about the running back situation: Javante Williams, Samaj P. Ryan, Tony Jones, Tyler Batty. Williams played just four games for the Broncos before tearing his ACL. In 47 attempts, he averaged 4.3 yards per carry. He was just unable to get into the end zone for whatever reason those first couple games. His yards after contact per attempt, 3.49 yards, which would have ranked him in the top 20 last year, uh, had 16 missed tackles force in basically three games. If you project that forward, he's leading the NFL in total missed tackles force. He's a really, really good running back. Um, he also had seven runs over 10 yards in, in four games. So, like, he was explosive. Latavius Murray, who ended up being the Broncos starter last season, had four times the number of attempts and only had 16 uh, missed tackles for. So, Javante Williams and, and what he would have brought to that team for a full season, I mean, I, I don't know why his hype has died down as much as it has because Javante Williams was a, a first-round draft pick in every fantasy league last season. And now I don't think he's the, the top 10 running back taken. So it's wild, especially taking into account that, you know, Melvin Gordon no longer there stealing snaps uh, in the goal line kind of area. Um, we'll see how they utilize Samaj P. Ryan. But I, I think there's a really, really good running back, really young running back coming off a major injury. He's got a lot to prove, and that's dangerous. I, I love Javante. I thought that was one of the biggest casualties. Uh, you, you see it every year, just like up and coming superstars who just get a season taken away from them. Um, and when last year, one of the, the hardest ones to swallow was, was Javante. Um, what a great talent. Also that running back room is a lot different because of that injury. They went and got Chase Edmonds, Mike Boone, Marlon Mack, Demaria Crockett. All of those guys are, are out. Uh, and the fact that they didn't go and sign another 
Samaj P. Ryan is, is is a backup running back. They didn't go out and get another bell cow because they got one. Javante is a stud. If he's not top five, he's easily top ten. Um, and the only reason I'm putting him top ten is because because he's coming off a, a an injured riddled season. He can do a little bit of everything, and you you think back to like all of the great Broncos teams. They have a great quarterback. They have a phenomenal defense. They have great coaching, and they got a running back when they're up twenty points that they can just lean on. Uh, you're 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 not missing out on Javante. I hope he's healthy because I think he's better for the NFL. Um, and I'm I'm excited to see what he can do as a as a Charger fan who has historically been bad against the run. You're going to have a lot to handle when uh, you go up against uh, the Broncos two times this year. Because uh, <laughs> Javante Williams is an absolute stud, and then that's not taking anything away from Samaj P. Ryan. He backed up Joe Mixon last year for the Bengals. He's super efficient, backup. yards after contact, especially like that. It's like his his bread and butter. Of his 450 total yards last season, 335 came after contact. He runs hard. He's looking for contact. He falls forward. He's a big back, 235 pounds. That's a big boy. Uh, and he tall. runs like like a big back also. Uh, but the other like really under the radar aspect is he's incredibly good catching the at the ball out of the backfield. Like, you know, 46 of 57 targets, 322 yards, four touchdowns. He's a very, very good RB2, a, a dramatic improvement over Melvin Gordon. Uh, last I think the biggest thing, like his last fumble was in 2017. So like he doesn't put the ball on the ground. He's a guy you want running between the tackles and the red zone. Um, I think he's probably going to take some snaps away from Javante Williams in that part of the field. But he's also like a really dangerous dump off option. Like Samaj P. Ryan was really, really good for them last year. Now, I think that room got better. Um, and whenever you go from having to sign four running backs midseason because you, you know, you, you, you lose your franchise running back to injury. And Melvin Gordon is healthy the entire season. They still didn't trust him to take a snap because he had five. He put the ball on the bumbler. ground five times in he's like six games. Yeah. Well, no, he, he's burnt. Uh, I think that room got better. Um, you also got Michael Burton from the Chiefs at fullback now. Uh, a, a, a team who will use their fullback. Um, Under Sean Payton, they definitely will. Sean Payton utilizes players in, in way the red different zone. Ways. Like this offense is is going to be scary. Um, what do you do? You got a running. You, Russell Wilson still has some legs under him. Javante Williams can peel you out. You're going to have uh, Samaj P. Ryan, who's thick and built to deal with. Uh, Greg Dulcich, we're going to get into this receiving core and, and the, these pass threats here soon, but like... Let's get into it. Talk about Jerry DeJudy, Cortland Sutton, this whole wide receiver uh, tight end room. This this room is weird to me because um, it, it, it seems for the, the longest time they've, they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting on Jerry Judy to become the next Devontae Adams, the next uh, Stephon Diggs. I don't think he's that. 
I think he's amazing, and I think he's one of the number. If you can make him your number two, I would put him up there with some of the best number twos in, in the league. You look at the rest of this receiving core: Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton. You they signed Marquise Callaway. They got they drafted Marvin Mims Jr. They got KJ Hamler. This is one of the deepest receiving rooms without a superstar, without a guy I need to play. Go make me a play type of guy. Uh, I think Jerry Judy is the closest. Um, and and don't sleep on Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick. Like when when you need them to do something, like they'll do it for you. I just think they're lacking that superstar at the top of the depth chart to kind of lead them and, and guide them along. Because also you're looking at all all six of these guys, very very young. Uh, I think they're desperately lacking a true number one i think they have three number threes or i think they have three number twos and all of their backups could be legitimate number threes so something interesting with this broncos wide receiver group so only jerry judy and corlin sutton were even game planned in their offense last year each of them finished with over 100 targets each judy played evenly inside and out uh he was kind of more their like rack wide receiver I don't know why he's generating so much hype right now. I think everybody's really expecting him to take that step forward into that, you know, first round pick, you know, kind of stardom. Um, Why? It's, it's his fourth year. He hasn't hit for over a thousand yards yet. He caught three of 11 contested catches last year. 64 of his targets occurred to the short to, to, you know, behind the line of scrimmage kind of area of the field. Uh, He's not been as great as the hype that's surrounding him. It's definitely been really disappointing as a wide receiver one kind of was that for them last year. He's not a great rack, like run after the catch wide receiver just is just wasn't in, you know, like his missed tackles forced really, really low. Not really the gadget player. He's not Debo Samuel. And that's kind of how they tried to use him last year. Maybe not as like that running back kind of take steps from back there, but in terms of the screens, the, uh, the little bubble screen type, dump off plays that they were running to him just wasn't really working out for him. He's talented. Uh, I really liked him coming out of college. I hate the way he's being used in the NFL right now. Uh, Cortland Sutton, another really good wide receiver two option has a hundred, uh, 1100 season under his belt. That was back in 2019. He's really failed to kind of recapture that form. I think part of the issues are the issues the quarterbacks have had, you know, before Russell Wilson, it was drew lock and, um, I forget the other quarterback who took snaps there, but it's just it just hasn't been good for them. He's going to be their primary X wide receiver. Uh, he has two games over 25 yards after the catch. Like, oh, so like he's not a rack wide receiver. He only has like two catches of over you know run run after catch 25 yards. Like that's nothing. He's a catch and, and fall down kind of player. Had six drops last year, which accounts for nine percent of his targets. Something that he gets knocked on is his separation. Um, interesting stat. According to Next Gen Stats, Sutton averaged a separation of 2.7 yards per target. That is more average separation than DK Metcalf, than George Pickens, Michael Gallup, Drake London, Mike Evans. And then here's some really weird ones. Like he was creating more separation than Amari Cooper. One a great route runner, really, really good player that we think of as, you know, being able to get separation. 
more than Garrett Wilson. Mm. That's wild. And more than Terry McLaurin and Jamar Chase. Interesting. So he's getting separation. Doesn't I just he don't think he's had a quarterback that can get him the ball. And it's wild to think because nobody thinks of Cortland Sutton in that tier of wide receivers, especially when it comes to getting separation. He's been able to do it better than than some really probably three top ten wide receivers. The, and that's where I'm every year we look at this receiving core uh, uh, of the Broncos. Uh I kind of lean towards uh, Cortland Sutton is, is the the baseline guy, right? He, he's consistent, and you know what you're going to get from him. Jerry Judy is the what they want to be the he's their highlight. breakout candidate. That's right, gonna he's the highlight player. Be a breakout candidate yeah. until he busts. And all he needs for a good game is a, a 50 yard reception. And he might get one or two every other week. Cortland Sutton's going to get his 10 targets eight receptions, 100 yards. Like, he's consistent. Um, yeah, for sure. So is Tim Patrick. So is K.J. Hamler. Like, they 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 just need to put it together. But they uh, didn't play them almost at all. They didn't play. Like, they threw Tim Patrick 30 targets. No, Well, wasn't he hurt, too? Didn't, I felt like he got hurt early on, too. You're right. He did get hurt. It was – here, let me look it up real quick because I just had it up. But, so like, one they, point, they did I, not I it target like anybody else. No, well, because they went like Jerry Judy went down and then Tim Patrick went down the next week, or it was like the vice versa. Like they lost them both in like the first five weeks. Sorry, I take that back. So Kendall Hinton was their next targeted <laughs> wide receiver with 31 targets, 24 receptions, 311 yards. KJ Hamler had 15 targets, only played seven games. Um, and I don't think Tim Patrick even played last year. He, oh, I. I think you're right. I think he like blew his ACL like in, in, in training camp, camp. In training camp, you're right. So he didn't play at all for them. That's why it's so hard to talk about him. And yep. then you, the other player that we're not even talking about yet is Marvin Mims, who they just drafted. Marvin Mims is going to take a lot more of those targets from Judy and Sutton, and you know whoever their smash pash, whatever you want to call it, of wide receivers that they had for them last year. Um, give me a quick sec, but go ahead and talk a little bit about Marvin Mims and what, what you think about him. Well, I, I I think you're just adding to this room. Uh, I think Marvin Mims is a great talent. I don't think I don't I don't see him becoming an, a number one in this league. I think he's great. I think he's instantly going to give you some punt return acumen which this team, I don't think it really has a, a, a punt returner on this roster. Marvin Mims surely can can fill that role. Um, but what, what I like about Marvin Mims is let Jerry Judy be a number one receiver. You want to do all those gadget plays. You want to do the reverses. You want to do the screens. Give that to Marvin Mims. And let Jerry Judy be a, a number one receiver. Let him develop into what you, you think he's going to be. That that true get open, I can be anybody who lines up against me receiver. And let Marvin Mims do all of that gadgetry as a, as a rookie. Uh, I think instantly, day one, you got a great punt returner in Marvin Mims. Um, all in all, if Jerry Judy 
or Cortland Sutton don't emerge into a true number one, it's it's very much the 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 same receiving core. You got six really good receivers. Nobody's elite, and that gets figured out quite quickly in the NFL. You know, he's a he's a really good deep threat too. Um, maybe not the yards after catch type of player in terms of making guys miss, but he's got speed that he can just outrun guys. He's a fast seam, and he's gone. Um, one of the best players in the league in, in air yardage, just guy that beats guys over the top just purely for his speed. Uh, I'm going to pick things up a little bit because I'm getting a little bit behind, uh, but I do kind of want to touch just briefly on Greg Dulcich. He's a really good tight end. Uh, he came in as a rookie last year, kind of toward the back half of the season, and he showed that he can be a weapon through the, the air. Still needs to bulk up, get a little bit stronger, especially if they're going to be running the ball as heavy as they are. Uh, talk about their offensive line, Garrett Bowles, Ben Powers, Lloyd Cushenberry, Quinn Meaners, and Mike McGlinchey. Quinn Meaners is now their new starting right guard. Ben Powers comes over from the Ravens. Uh, four tackles played over 300 snaps for the Broncos last year. Bowles played in just five games. Billy Turner played in eight. Lloyd Cushenberry played in eight games. Graham Glasgow got moved to center when, when Lloyd Cushenberry was injured. Seven different players at least suited up at guard for them last year. Uh, Meaners and, and Reisner still played the bulk of those games. Uh, but they they that offensive line was cycling through guys week in, week out. I don't know if they ever had the same starting unit from week one out on the field at, again throughout the rest of the season. Um, it It's not a great offensive line, but I think that you, you take into account that they brought in Mike McGlinchey, who's a really solid right tackle. If they can get Garrett Bowles back up to his all-pro year, like you've got a a strong group out on the edge. Um, I think they've got a lot of power on the inside, like Quinn Meaners. When I think of Quinn Meaners, I think of that big belly, that gut hanging out from training camp. Like just a, I don't know, just a funny dude. Uh, (laughs) And I think he's he's funny just the way that he he looks. He looks like a, like a, a couch GM than more than he looks like an actual NFL football player. But talk about the offensive line kind of briefly, and then we'll move over to the defensive line. Well, even with those injuries last year, I don't think they, like, played particularly bad. I I thought they, with the injuries they were dealing with, with the Swiss cheese lineup that they were were handling, like, I thought they played exceptionally well for what, what they were given having those guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, I think losing Dalton Reisner is huge, but Ben Powers as a replacement is, is not a super far drop off. And then when ever you can go and get a guy like Mike McGlinchey staple at right tackle for the 49ers who, who are one of the, the best lines year in and year out, getting them at a, on a healthy year um, uh, that, that, just like on paper, that front five is, it, it, I think, is very nice. Um, I don't think Russell Wilson's. All those guys stay healthy. He shouldn't be getting He'll have more time to throw. That's what I'm saying. I, 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 this is a line you you want to be behind. Um, there's some dogs on there. There's some. I like the mixture of young and up and coming talent with the the. Staples Veterans, yeah. with the Garrett, you know, Garrett Bowles, Ben Powers, Mike McGlinchey, and then you, you got that 
nice uh, influx of young talent with Lloyd Cushenberry and uh, Quinn Meaners. I, I think this is a solid line. You got some really good depth, too. Um, they drafted a, a couple guys deep in the in, in the draft, but um, those four, those five guys we just mentioned, that, that that's going to be a really, really good offensive line. Um, there's not yeah, a whole lot that they can't do. Than, I think it's going to be much better than, than people think that it's going to be. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of these guys haven't played together right next to each other. Like Garrett Bowles and Cloyd Cushenberry have a player they've never played with playing in between them. Uh, Mike McClenchy's never played with Quinn Meaner. So it's whether or not they're able to establish that, that camaraderie uh, early in training camp. Moving over to the defensive line, um, they don't really have a star anywhere on the edge, but they have some good young players. It's a good group. It's not great. It's stronger on the interior. You're going from Draymond Jones, who was their best defensive lineman last year, to Zach Allen, a little bit of a downgrade. Allen had 36 pressures and six sacks for a really terrible Cardinals team last year. He ended up bailing as soon as they even got worse. Uh, It's still not Draymond Jones, 45 pressures, seven sacks. Probably a slightly better run defender. Draymond Jones goes over to the Seahawks. Probably one of my favorite interior defensive linemen for them to lose is nothing but good for for the Chargers. Um, And then the the biggest question mark is going to be whether or not you can get any health from Randy Gregory. When he's healthy, he can be a a blue-chip pass rusher. The problem is he's only played over 500 snaps once in his career. His health... Draw back draws this group back quite a bit. Like when he's not available, um, it's it creates a lot of issues for them. Baron Browning uh, was a middle linebacker, got moved out to the edge. He's one of those young ascending players, uh, one of those players you're expecting to take the leap. Uh, he's kind of in that group. They also got Nick Bonito there. Um, I, I like DJ Jones and Frank Clark. I don't know if Frank Clark moving on the interior, playing more over the tackle is going to work out too well for them. I think he's a little um, little washed for, for what you want to get out of him. That's probably why they moved him on the interior. Let him use some of that strength. He's still got that big body. I just don't know if, you know, it's an upgrade from who they had the, over there last year. Um, what do you think about this this pass rushing group uh, and this run defense in, in, on that defensive line? We're looking at the defensive line. Uh, Bradley Chubb is going to be missed, right? Like when we were That's talking a huge about miss for them, the Peyton era, they had Von Miller in his prime, absolutely wrecking it. One man show. Doesn't matter where he lines up, he's getting to the quarterback. Um, I think they were getting that in Bradley Chubb, a little different type of guy, a, a true D end, hand in the dirt bigger guy i think a lot more versatile against the run uh than uh von miller was but either way you you lose him and you replace him with randy gregory randy gregory is is a hype guy you you're just believing in him because you see flashes from him and you're like oh yeah he can replicate that over a 16 game season he can't he he's can't. There, you're not gonna get 16 games he can't he played 187 he snaps for them last year like that's terrible but and and, and at, at some point in people's careers you have to like get rid of the 
you know, the draft day hype and the draft day projections of like what we want to see them and then view them like Randy Gregory is a veteran in this league. We know what he's we're going to get from years him. Old. He's going to give you two really great games and he's not going to be able to play the rest. So I, I'm looking at this D-line room very similar to how I look at the receiver room. Very stacked, a lot of good guys. You got a lot of good influx of, of veterans and, and young guys up and coming. You got no superstar. Draymond Jones, your heart and core, I think, of your first phase of defense last year, gone. Uh, DJ Jones, in my opinion, is, is not the replacement there. Zach Allen, you got Frank Clark. Those guys are leaders. I don't think. This, this, to me, Pat Sertain is the leader of this defense. If I just don't think, I just don't see Zach Allen and Frank Clark being able to. They're get, missing a a blue chip pass rusher. They're missing their their yeah. They don't Mac, have the guy. They're Von Miller. You're right. Like they don't have the 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 leader of this pass rushing group on this team this season. He's just not there. I, I agree with that. And also, like, getting Baron Browning, going and signing Frank Clark, I think it really cripples your future. And Nick Benito is now third at outside linebacker on the depth chart. Like, I, I think Nick Benito, it, you need to develop that guy. And I feel like with this current roster, uh, that man's not going to get anything more than special team snaps. Um and that guy's a, a, I'm I'm more interested in Nick Benito snaps over Baron Browning and Frank Clark snaps. Baron Browning was second on their team in pressures last year. Um, I, I think that they have a good rotational pass rusher with Baron Browning, but he's going to be yeah. their starter next year. And I think that next year you're going to see them go and and attack a high end edge rusher because it's it's they need it's the one. identity of who the Broncos have always been. Getting after the quarterback, Demarcus Ware, Von Miller, like those. Demarcus Ware is who I was forgetting. Yeah, they they've yeah. always had one. Yeah, I think their leaders on this team is going to be at linebacker. I think Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton are exceptionally good. Those are uh, good guys. Linebackers, like uh, Josie Jewell is one of my favorite linebackers. He's a guy that I go after in fantasy if I ever play IDP. He's one of those first guys I target because he he just stacks on tackles. Alex Singleton last year did too. 118 tackles, 11 miss. That's you know six percent. That's that's an, an insanely good number. Josie Jewell's a little bit higher on that group. I think I still think this is the best linebacking duo in the NFL right now on the interior. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, and not a lot of uh, teams run for linebackers, so I don't think we have a whole lot of of two true inside linebacker tandems. Am I am I wrong? Like, and they're uh, they're a group that does. So, you know, they'll, what they'll do is they'll go um, – they'll, they'll have two linebackers out there and they'll put Singleton out in the slot and let him, you know, cover a tight end. They, they're they're okay with, uh, you know, Singleton or Jewel covering tight ends. They don't really have too much of an issue with it. Um, you take a look at it. I mean, they're allowing a reception on 8% of their targets, but Alex Singleton, like, only allowed 350 yards on – uh, 66 targets on, on 54 receptions. So he's keeping everything kind of in front of him low and, and, and not giving up too much. Josie Jewell is much worse in coverage. Um, he ended up giving up 
double the amount of yards on six more receptions. So that's who you're targeting in the passing game. Um, closing out, I, I need to kind of get moving here because my yeah. wife's trying to, to leave. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the Broncos depth at in the secondary. Patrick Sertain, you already talked about him, one of the best um, young down. cornerbacks in the league. I think he's already a superstar, probably already in that top five conversation of, of uh, cornerbacks in the NFL right now. Something about being in between like 24 and 26 years old as a young star, that's where like these guys really pop. Um, because they're, they're not dealing with any injuries. They haven't sapped any speed away from them. And they still have the, they, they built up the mental processor to be able to see route combinations and jump them and certain. I mean, he's burned us. I think he has two um, interception return touchdowns against Justin Herbert in the same game, if I remember correctly. So like he's, he's a start. That was him as a rookie. Uh, I don't necessarily know if Damari Mathis and Kawan Williams and Riley Moss, who's expected to be potentially be a starter. I don't know how they're going to play, but I know Patrick Sertain and Justin Simmons are just an insane backfield duo. Well, and I'll give them one of the best safety duos. We, we talk about Kareem Jackson, but Justin Simmons running, running deep. Like those three guys right there, that, that is a secondary to build around. And I believe in Kawan Williams. I, I think he is a legit nickelback in this league. Uh, Damari Mathis, I think, is going to give you really, really good upside as, as a depth defender. I really see uh, Riley Moss getting that opposite starting job ap- after Pat Sertain. I, I think that's what they want. They're looking for, like, a long duo. And then you look at the back end of it. Caden Stearns can do a little bit of everything for you. You can play both safety positions. You can fill in in the slot. Uh, this, to me, in my opinion, is easily the best uh, position group for the Broncos, probably one of their biggest strengths. It was last year, um, and the, all they really had was Pat Sertain, Kareem Jackson, and, and Justin Simmons going for them. So uh, getting some healthy – competition in, in, in the slot and on the opposite side of Pat Sertain, um, I, I think you're going to see one of the yeah. year in and year out, they have one of the best uh, DB groups. And um, I, I don't see that changing a whole lot this year, uh, especially with the guys they got in house. So closing thoughts. Uh, I think that this team is going to finish better than last in the AFC West. I think that the, the Raiders ra- are probably the, the worst Raiders. team. Um, I have them probably winning seven, eight, maybe nine games. Really just depends on, on how the quarterback, head coach, um, duo, their, their ability to work together and put a better product on the field. Um, I guess we'll see it as we will continue to watch th- throughout training camp. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week when we break down the Kansas City Chiefs. So. Um, I think that that's going to be a fun episode, maybe potentially pulling in somebody else to, to help talk about the winning champs from last season. So little teaser, little teaser. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to, to get your copy of the shock therapy magazine. Zach, as always, thanks for the pod. Talk to you guys later.